Hey, this is Todd Agnew, and you are on Faith's Edge with my friend Joe Taylor. Yeah, I even got down to to a point where I, I questioned if there was a God. I don't regret that because he showed me that he was God and how great he was. It is an honor to call you friend as well, Todd. Thank you, Todd Agnew, for the introduction. In last week's show, Todd and I spoke about his new project, From Grace to Glory, and man, it is good. We talked about theology and music and his transition from the road to family life. You can hear our conversation at onfaithsedge.com slash 87. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 87. Well, hello. Welcome to the 88th episode of On Faith's Edge. My name is Joe Taylor, recovering atheist and your servant in Jesus Christ. This is your place to hear conversations about God and living a life of faith in Jesus Christ. Recording artist Natasha Owens is with us today. Wait until you hear our open and honest discussion about music, depression, and the advice of well-meaning churchgoers. I am still accepting submissions for the new Your Story segment. If you want to share your story with the On Faith's Edge community, just go to onfaithsedge.com slash your story. Again, that's onfaithsedge.com slash your story. I really love bringing you engaging conversations about faith. If this show entertains you, encourages you, informs you, inspires you, or brings value to you in any way whatsoever, will you please consider financially backing the show? And the best way you can do that right now is to use any Amazon link at onfaithsedge.com. We'll get a modest commission from the purchase, but it doesn't cost you a penny more. Congratulations to listener Michelle Wren. Michelle, you will receive a free copy of Todd Agnews from Grace to Glory. Michelle, shoot me an email at joe at onfaithsedge.com. That's joe at onfaithsedge.com, and I'll get your CD right out to you. Natasha Owens' path to a successful music career is unique, rooted in agonizing heartache and unbelievable tragedy. Several years ago, Natasha's father died suddenly when a gun misfired, placing a bullet in his chest. In the midst of darkness and depression, Natasha was approached by her pastor to take over the music ministry at her church. There she found a peace, a reassurance, and a drive to take her music further than she could have ever imagined. In today's show, we talk about the tragic events that led Natasha to her music, including her important new project, We Will Rise, and why she's giving away 100% of the proceeds from We Will Rise to Hurricane Relief. We'll talk about the damage that well-meaning churchgoers do with their well-meaning advice. We discuss her transition out of a legalistic, image-obsessed denomination, and we talk about how she came to understand the true love of God. Sometimes we see art or hear music and we are experiencing the final product and all its polished and production. What we often fail to realize is that many times this beauty was forged in pain, sorrow, tragedy, but eventual victory. Such is the case with the music of today's guest, Natasha Owens, and her new project, We Will Rise. Hello, Natasha. Hey, Joe. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Tell us a little bit about this new project 
We Will Rise is my sophomore project. The first one was called I Made It Through, and it was kind of centered around the beginning to the end of a trial. And this new project, uh, we found that sometimes people don't make it through, or they make it through and they say, thank God until next time, but they don't do anything with it. So this one is completely centered around rising above your circumstance, uh, which I fully believe means that we need to take what we've learned and help someone else. Your music does indeed. Uh, we've told we we heard a little bit about your story in the in the introduction, but your music does indeed come from a place of uh, pain, sorrow, tragedy, but eventually victory. Uh, tell us your story. Where does your music come from? Well, uh, it comes from tragedy. My uh, my dad passed away seven years ago. Um, he was cleaning his guns, and there was a bullet in the chamber, and it went off and hit him in the heart. And 60 seconds later, life as I knew it, I I thought was gone. And um, I tried to be strong for the family and tried to deal with my grief on my own. And I suppressed a lot of it, which was eventually to my detriment, for sure. Uh, It took me about a year to deal with my grief. And when I did, it hit me so hard that I downspiraled very quickly. It was the first thing in my life that I had dealt with that was faith-shaking. And I thought I was anchored through Christ. I was anchored through religion, but not directly to Christ, and, and I, I wasn't anchored at all, I don't think. And I downspiraled, went through a deep depression, and uh, was walking down a suicidal road when God crossed my path at the right time. Mm. Six months into my depression, um, to the deepest part of my depression, my pastor called and said, we, we've lost our music minister, and you've always been over the praise team and so forth. We need you to be to step up and be our minister of music. And I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. I said, you know, you know what's going on in my life, and I have no time for anything but this depression. If I had extra time, I'd give it to my family and my kids. And so he said, well, just think about it. And he kept calling, and I kept telling him no. And uh, each time I got a little bit more angry because I I went through an angry stage of grief and I questioned why. And when I didn't get an answer, I even got more angry and it fueled it. And so the things that I spoke downspiraled my mind. Um, You know, the scripture says that we have the power of life and death in our tongue and how we speak. And it's so true because what we speak is pretty, pretty much after a while what we think. And it's seeds that plant roots. And so I don't have anybody to blame but myself, you know. And so I told him, I said, I'm so angry at God. How am I supposed to motivate people and tell them how great God is when I don't feel like he's great? And he called the the very last time and he said, I just want you to listen. I don't want you to say a word. He said, I feel that you feel like you're dead inside. And I said, yeah, I'm I'm, I have no emotion, no feeling, no nothing. I'm just numb. And he said, I feel that if you'll just step out by faith and, and take this position, that God wants to give you healing in return. As you're, as you're getting past yourself and you are trying to minister and help others, that's when God is going to give you the healing. And um, he just happened to call me on the on the right day because that day I was so focused on uh, the world would be a better place without me. And so said the right things at the right time. I took it. So that that is how it all began. That was a training ground. That that position took it took me years to dig out of my hole. And there's so much involved in that in that part of the story. But that was a training ground for what I'm doing now. And that's where the songs have have come from. Uh, 
Do you come from a big family, Natasha? Small family. Um, it's just me and my sister. My sister's eight years younger than me, and I was always a daddy's girl. Um, kind of a different family dynamic, um, just with several issues that, that made me cling closer to my dad. So it felt like I lost both parents when he died. How much of an influence on your music was your dad? Well, at that time, when he was alive, all I did, you know, I solo sang here and there, and I pray sang. I struggled with anxiety, and I did not want to be in the forefront, so I tried to be in the background. So at that time, he didn't have a tremendous amount of influence on me because I wasn't, I'm, I wasn't doing what I'm doing now. This all came way after my dad died. So the music is genuinely is a result of this tragedy that you went through with your dad's death. There, you did. You, were you not musical at all? Did you not have any musical leanings, or did you did you pick this up as a, as a direct result of your dad's death? Uh, I I picked up the the recording the CD in the professional world as a direct result of not only his death but my path to recovery out of it. Um, I come from a musical family. My grandparents, um, we've, you know, we all sang. They had musical groups back, um, you know, in the 50s and 60s. They traveled around. I, I can hear by ear, um, like for piano and things like that. So I'm, I come from a, a history, a heritage of music. My anxiety at the time uh, crippled that. Um, I I didn't want to be in the forefront, so I stuck to safe positions like choir singers and praise singers and um, someone that was in the background, not in the very front of ministry with a spotlight on them. So all of that came after the fact. Um, the the day that I felt like I had made it through uh, was years after he died, and I was looking at my boys one day, and something just came through my head. I, I felt like God spoke to me, and he said, you can't die looking back at what you've lost. You have to live for what you have left, and those boys are what you have left. And so I made God a promise that day that I would go wherever he wanted me to go and do whatever we wanted to do, because I smiled for the first time in years and actually felt emotion, felt that joy back. And I know so many people who go through things don't get that back, and that's that's my whole mission. So when when the opportunity came forth to do my very first CD, um, and there's a story behind that too, um, I said it had to be a, a CD of restoration music um, for um, you know for the broken worship music and and very specific, more deep lyric because that. I was to the place whenever I took that position as music minister that I couldn't open up my Bible and I couldn't pray. I just was so angry still. And I used that worship music to help me get out of bed and that restoration music. I would be focused on that that weekend and I'd be playing a song and two minutes later I'm out of bed and I'm getting ready. And so I used that to to help me kind of a crutch until I could get to the point where I could get a little stronger. Um, so I, I, I guess that answered your question. I want to explore a little bit your anger with God. Um, so many times we don't think it's okay to be angry with God. Somehow it's, it's, uh, we, 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 um, we think God is going to punish us somehow or uh, for being angry with him. 
Let's ex- let's explore that a little bit, Natasha. Uh, how do you feel about being angry with God? Well, I had a lot of relatives. You know, I'm I'm very real and I speak the emotions that I went through. That that was something for whatever reason that, you know, well, I know for whatever reason, I, I questioned why and didn't get an answer. Uh, now I know that you have to ask, who do I need to help and what do I need to learn? But why is a very dangerous question. Well, I would speak those things and my relatives would say, oh, you can't say that. You know, God will come against you. I've, I've heard this, I don't know how many times, and I said, you know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says God's always near the brokenhearted. And I really feel my interpretation of that is that these are emotions that he gave us. We're human. He knows us. And he knows that that's a, that's a part of it. Absolutely. And um, I think that if we feel that we have to hide that kind of thing and feel that it's not right, that, that natural emotion that we do have, I think that that's a detriment too, that that down spirals us as well. Because I think if we're just honest with God and just tell him, no matter what it is, I think he understands. And I think that's, that scripture covers that in my opinion. You know, you, you touch on two big points uh, in the Christian community and for lack of a better way of saying it, Natasha, and the, the emotional Christian community and how the Christian community addresses emotions, two things. Anger and depression. Uh, you had a, after your father passed, uh, you indicated that you had a, a horrible bout of depression. And tell, tell us about that time of your, about that time and, and what brought you through it. I know that you, you, you said that uh, your music brought you through it, but uh, uh, practically, how did that happen? What, 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 what did you go through? So, we have to be, and I, and I tell people this, I tell people this in concerts and so forth. As a Christian community, we have to be so careful at how we address things. Um, there's a stigma in our society as well as in our Christian community that um, depression and different things of the mind have to just be hush-hush, like that's something that you shouldn't talk about. And Anything that you deal with your mind, it's a battlefield of the mind. There's certain conditions that need medicine. Um, my dad worked for a pharmaceutical company, and we have a son that has a learning problem, and he, um, he did medicine. And I was so hesitant because of the way I was raised in the Christian community, and my dad said, if you would go out, if you had a blood pressure problem, you'd go out and, and wouldn't think about twice about getting blood pressure medicine from a doctor. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. Sometimes we have chemical imbalances, and I should have been on medicine. I didn't, I didn't realize when I was in the midst of it how bad I actually was. So um, that, you know, that's kind of how I, how I feel about that. We shouldn't be embarrassed, and we shouldn't allow the Christian community or our society to make us feel embarrassed if we need something. We need, some people just need extra help. As for when I was going through depression, um, I'll just be honest. My Christian community that I was around at the time caused me to take my pieces and hide them because I would, we're so busy in today's society and we, I would walk into the church and someone who either hadn't gone through grief or just didn't have enough time to really have enough patience with me. You know, I didn't deal with it till the year mark. Well, some people thought I should be over grief by the year mark and I'd walk in and they'd say, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm not doing so good. 
And then the, I actually had them huff and roll their eyes, and, and some would say, what's wrong now? You know, like they, they expected me just to give a generic answer and say, I'm fine. Everything's great. Nod your head, put on a smile, look like everybody else. And I was honest enough to, to reach out to say, I'm not having a good day. I need help. And um, they didn't want to take time to listen. And it only took one or two of those. Or, or some would say, uh, are you still dealing with grief? Well, I think it's something I'll deal with for the rest of my life in some degree. But at that point, I had just started dealing with it. So, yes, I'm still dealing with grief. It calls me to be able to, um, if I had everything on the outside that looked like everybody else, I was dressed in my church clothes. I had this fake smile on my face, but I would nod my head and said, yeah, everything was great. And I started doing that. And I hid all of those broken pieces. I hid my grief. And that was a huge part in the reason why I down spiraled because I didn't feel like anybody cared. Anybody wanted to slow down enough to take the time to care. And it happens outside of church as well. But this particular situation happened inside of my church. And we just have to be careful in how we handle people who are going through something big. Because um, some people always want to offer advice and they've never been through it. They just want to, they want to say something. They have a good heart. They want to say something. They want to help, right? But what they say sometimes is the exact wrong thing. And it was to my detriment, to, de- to tell you the truth. I downspiraled very quickly after that. Do you remember the moment that your down spiral started to turn into, a, into an uptick or an upward positive, a more positive outlook? Yeah. Um, so my, my pastor, you know, called for that very last time and, and asked me and uh, he said that he one thing that he did say that, that got my attention was he said, God always offers an out. And I, I think he's throwing you a lifeline, but it may be the last lifeline. And on that particular day was I was real big into my head of the world will be a better place without me. And so that got my attention. Um, the moment I took that music position was that day. Now, it took me a long time to be out. At that point, I think the pause button was hit. I didn't get further away from God, but it took me a while to get closer to Him. So that was a very pivotal point right there, six months into my depression when He called, me saying yes. Um, then, then the healing, a little bit of the healing and restoration started the moment I started playing music. Um, and then the next pivotal milestone, um, which I've, I've talked about a little bit, was fast forward a couple years later, I struggled, you know, two steps forward, two steps back throughout the, this, that entire time frame and got a little stronger here and there. And that next milestone was when I was, I was looking at my boys. And you have to understand from the moment I withdrew from when those church people had said that, I would put on a fake smile that down here in the South, it, we would say it didn't reach our eyes. There was a hollowness in my eyes that I can pick up on. I can look at someone now and tell if they're in depression just by their eyes. Our eyes are a window to our soul, right? Mm. Our soul was completely numb and dead. And so it was a dullness in my eyes. Well, that day that I looked at my boys and I smiled for the first time in years and felt that joy back, 
was when I knew I had made it through. And everything turned after that. Let's talk about We Will Rise. How is this different from your, um, from your first project? Well, the first project, if you put it in, in a particular order, order from the beginning to the end, it's the beginning of a trial to making it through. And the title track is called I Made It Through. Uh, our first concert was with Michael W. Smith, and um, we had worked so hard. It was just one concert. It was actually on my dad's birthday, which made it really special. Not a bad, not a bad first concert, Natasha. <laughs> My entire story, if I would tell you the whole story, my entire story is backwards. It, that, was, that was nothing but God. And when I was approached, and it was a God thing how I found my manager, too, um, he called me. Right, We made the agreement to work together on Father's Day. And he called me three weeks later, and he said, do you want to open for Michael W. Smith? And I about had an anxiety attack. And I said, no, absolutely not. And I said, don't have a band. I've never sang these songs live, and that's just too big of a stage. I just, I just don't see me doing, can't do it. And he said, just think about it. It's October 3rd. And I about passed out, and I said, I'll do it. And he said, well, what changed your mind? And I said, that's my dad's birthday. And I just feel like that's a sign that if I just have faith and say yes, that God is going to help me. And so very first concert on my dad's birthday. After that concert, we didn't have anything else. But we'd worked so hard for that one. And I got very down. And I, I remember saying a prayer that night as I laid my head on my pillow. And I said, I, what am, God, what am I supposed to do from here? I don't, I don't even know what to do. You just got to guide me. And um, a few days later, about three days later, um, a woman that I used to go to church with whenever I was music minister, she uh, sent me a, a Facebook message, and she said, I had a dream a few nights ago, and I don't know what it means, but maybe you do. And said, throughout the entire dream, it said, I made it through is not the true message, that rising above is the true message, and I will take you there on wings. And so I picked up the phone and called her and said, did you know I have a CD called I Made It Through? And she had no idea I had done a CD. Hmm. I, I just figured that was the answer to my prayer. And so I'm very, I'm a CEO. We own our own businesses. I'm very kind of analytical, um, you know, anxiety-driven, um, OC, almost OCD type. You know, I'm just very organized. And so not the typical musician at all. I go in, we had an opportunity to go in to a producer uh, meeting with Ed Cash who has written How Great Is Our God and Whom Shall We Fear and all these awesome anthem songs. And um, I'm telling him about the dream. And I said, I brought in almost an org chart and I had We Will Rise, well, I had Rise Above in the middle. And I had the topic of every song around it because I wanted the core to be rising above, but I wanted in each song to be able to teach them something a little different about about how to rise above. And um, he thought that was very funny because he'd never seen a musician come in with an organ chart. But as I'm telling him that story, um, he said he abruptly leaves the room and he comes back and he said, I didn't know you very well. I don't know how you would take this. But he said, as you were speaking, telling me the story, God just, this song just started playing in my head, and I want to play it for you, and it's the course to We Will Rise. And so I started crying because I knew that the core is what I didn't have. And God has helped me so much since that dream that that girl had that 
making it through is one thing, but rising above is a totally different topic. And that's how we truly get our healing and that's how we help others. And so We Will Rise is a very, it's not only the core, the title track to the CD and the core song to the CD, but it's the whole message that resonates throughout the entire thing. How would you best describe your music? Um, the, the singles that go to radio are probably more pop, a little bit more pop, definitely contemporary. Um, I, I kind of look at myself as being more of a worship artist, so I think my style fits in with more like a Carrie Job or um, Francesca Ballastetti type, type genre. Um, but then the, there's some pop ones, there's some fun ones. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it fits right in the groove of exactly where contemporary Christian is today. So here's the tough question, okay? Okay. What's your favorite? What's your favorite piece off this project? You had to ask me that because you know I have more than <laughs> one favorite piece, and for different reasons. Goodness, uh, we we will rise has is very special because how it came about. Um, so that's probably definitely in the top two. Uh, we wrote a song uh, about my dad on it. She has a place in my heart that juggles between the top two uh, called Legacy. He had written a Sunday school lesson the, the year he died about the poem called The Dash. On a tombstone, it's not the beginning date or the end date. It's the dash in the middle that represents your entire life, but it's the smallest piece on a tombstone. And so he wrote a lesson that talked about what would God want to see in your um, legacy, in your life, what should, how should you live and what should you leave behind uh, as your legacy. And so we took the words to his um, Sunday school lesson and we wrote the song Legacy. And it just talks about, it's not about material possessions. It's about loving unconditionally. And it's about what we can give and not get in return that that's the type of legacy that not only God wants to see, um, but that we need to leave to our kids and teach our kids to be. So those are probably my top two. Natasha has said that most of us will do whatever we can to keep our head above water, to take one more breath in and out, to keep breathing and keep our heart beating. But God's intent for his children, his creation, wasn't limited to survival. He intends for us to thrive. What does thriving mean to you, Natasha? You know, I think God has a has a, a will for us. Absolutely. People always say in the Christian community, um, I want to be in God's will. And I think just living for Christ and trying to be better than you were the day before is God's will. Um, but there is a perfect will of God, one that He wants you to soar above and to... Um, and I think that's, that truly means ministry. It truly means helping someone else, helping someone else to survive. Um, I had such a tough time, and I withdrew and didn't allow anyone to help me. And it makes me, as a survivor, want to go back and, and help and be a cheerleader to the ones on the side. And so when there is such a peace that comes with when you're when you feel like you are doing what God has called you and has made you to do or made you to be, uh, and I don't you know this late in my life I don't think I've ever was doing what He made me to be until now. 
Um, and there's a peace that comes with that. And I think that that's when you feel that peace and that fulfillment with helping someone else is when you're truly thriving. Do you think God has called you to help people thrive through music? Absolutely. I think he's called me that just because I'm a survivor and I'm, I give all the credit to God for, for knowing exactly where I was, even though I hid from everybody else. He saw me, he crossed my path and he helped me. It was a training ground. Um, when you look back on it, someone with depression who can't even get out of bed, that's not a good candidate for a music worship minister, right? Mm. But I'm thankful that, that God knew exactly what I needed, and I'm glad that I had a pastor at the time that, even though he thought it was crazy, knew that felt like that that's what I, I needed for my survival. And so, absolutely, I feel like I have a responsibility to God to help others since he helped me. And point them to God. As we're as we're talking, um, this is September, two thousand seventeen, and both the states of Texas and Florida have been devastated by two separate hurricanes. Uh, Natasha has just announced that all proceeds from We Will Rise will be donated to the victims of these hurricanes. Natasha, that is quite a statement. Why is this important to you? Well, I live in the state of Texas, and um, we have family members that have lost everything. And, you know, we, we were hands-on in, in bringing them supplies and, and helping different areas. They live out of, out of Beaumont. We have some that live out of Houston. And when you see the devastation of, like, Hurricane Harvey, it is almost beyond um, – my brain couldn't quite process it. It is – so heartbreaking that, you know, 80% of the people didn't even have flood insurance. You know, they weren't in flood zones and they've lost everything. And it's going to take years. I mean, it is catastrophic the way that they describe Harvey and part of Irma. Um, it's going to take years and it's going to take every hands on deck giving everything that we can to help rebuild. And this is, even though this is a different type of restoration project than what I have gone through, it's still restoration and it's still ministry. And I saw something uh, the other day on the internet that said, I need to confirm if it's true or not, but it said that the Christian community right now has outgiven to the hurricanes what FEMA has done so far. And that's, that's our job, to reach out to the broken and point them to Christ and, and you know, love show love so unconditionally that the type of love that God gives. And, um, you know, as Christians, we are not made to judge. We are not made to um, really do, but do anything but love. And I'm so proud of the state of Texas. I'm so proud of Florida and the rest of the United States that have come together to, to help these victims. It certainly is important. Let's take a minute and listen to Legacy from We Will Rise by Natasha Owens.
Each page a priceless tapestry Worth passing Natasha, how did you come to believe in Jesus Christ? I was raised in a denomination, a pretty strict denomination uh, religion called United Pentecostal. And I, I, my grandfather pastored in Arkansas for 47 years. And I've got pastors and um, my entire family is Pentecostal. So I was seventh generation in that denomination when I was born. And... Um, Growing up, I mean, it's it's a religion that has some great aspects to it, but it also teaches people to have everything perfect on the outside, and then a lot of things are hidden on the inside. And so my dad actually was walking through a freedom route of leaving that religion when he died. Mm. And he got, he, he kind of was walking down that route before we were, and through my recovery, um, through grief and all of that, God has taught me so much about having my anchor directly with Him and not through the the, the different aspects of religion. Um, and mostly, He really taught me about His love. Um, I am a and that that was one point that my recovery turned. There is nothing that we can do to calls God to love us any less or any more than he already does. So there's nothing we can do that will, I mean, he may be disappointed with us, but there's nothing we can do to cause him not to love us. And we also can't buy his love. So we can't buy his love through works, which is what this particular denomination it was based on. And there's some great aspects of it. I, I don't want anybody to think negative. I just... Uh, through through my recovery was also a uh, a walk through freedom of seeing God for the first time um, without the bonds and the and the um, glasses of religion. And I have a song on the We Will Rise called New Eyes, and it's that particular talk about my journey of seeing God and His love for the first time. You you grew up in the church then, correct? In the in the in, a, in the Pentecostal denomination. Um, yeah. but you've transitioned away from the Pentecostal denomination. Is that correct? Yes. We are non-denominational okay. now. Okay. Did you have a time that, that you said to yourself, yeah, I, I, I know, I, I know I grew up in the church. I know I grew up in the church and I was taught these, uh, from a child on, uh, but did you ever have a time, Natasha, where you said, I believe this, this is true. Yeah, I mean, you grow up in the church and you just pretty much believe what they tell you to believe, you know. And um, growing up, I don't, I don't remember really digging into the Bible much. It was just what was taught from the pulpit, you know. And to be honest, this this is probably another thing that that friends and family got onto me about. But to be honest, I would say, I I even got down to to a point where I I question if there was a God. And I don't regret that because 
he, he, fast forwarding, he showed me that he was God and how great he was. You know, there's some things that I believe different than I did as a kid, but there was a point in my recovery um, where everything really started really turning. And that was the moment uh, he had, he had laid on my heart that week to do, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to do a study about the different types of love. And that was the thing that opened my eyes. And as I got stronger, as I, as I read the Bible, I was seeing things that I had never seen before. Before growing up, I would look at one verse in a King James version. And I, I may not understand it because of the language. And I just, but okay. But when you take a verse and you study it out into the different versions of the Bible, like the ESV or the message or whatever, it gives you a bigger picture of really what they were talking about in that time frame uh, of, of where they, when they were living way back then. I've always believed and loved God, but how I feel about God now is totally different than when I grew up, if that makes sense. I, I'd like to ask you a little bit of more, more about that. Uh, it, it, how would you say the difference is between the way you felt about God early in your life to the way you feel about God now? Early on in my life, I just felt, you know, God is the creator of everything. Yes. Um, we're supposed to love him. Yes. We're supposed to serve him. Yes. We're supposed to dedicate time for him. Yes. We're supposed to show people he's God. Yes. But it was very surface. Um, I had never had an experience one-on-one to where I went so far away and he pulled me back. Now my relationship is different. He is my, he's more of a friend. Um, I, I pretend sometimes he's in the car with me and I talk to him just like my best friend. I'll put my phone up to my ear so that people don't think I'm crazy going down the, going down the, you know, highway talking to somebody, but I'll put my phone up and I'll just talk to him just like it's a best friend sitting next to me. I have such uh, a greater respect a greater understanding of how much he loves us. It was more of a fear of God growing up. If I didn't do something right, uh, or if, if, you know, God came back and at that particular moment, I had done something bad in my life that I had not asked repentance for, would I make it to heaven? It was a, it was a very fearful, um, relationship, whereas now it's a relationship of love and respect, and I owe him everything for throwing me a lifeline when he did. I love how you talk about God in such a personal way, Natasha, uh, because you, you, we hear a lot about fearing God, and and I, I think there's a difference between, and I'm not trying to split hairs here, but there's a difference between fearing God and being afraid of God. There is that, there is that, that healthy respect, which is what we call the fear of God. But, but from what you said, you, your relationship with God moved from being afraid of God to being a friend of God. And that's what I believe God wants. Right. Yeah. It was definitely an afraid relationship growing up just because, you know, you would hear about God's wrath and, and just, you know, Sometimes during from, from the pulpit, the different preachers would um, would use fear to try to help people get saved, you know. And um, 
it's not it's not what he that's not what he's about. He's a good God, and everything good comes from him. Finally, as we wrap up, Natasha, what would you say to that person that is right on faith's edge, making that choice to believe or not to believe in God? You just you have to have a personal experience with him. Um, it, you know, the scripture says he will never leave you. And that was one scripture that I kept quoting over and over and over. I, I will pray for, I'm, I'm just putting a generic prayer out there for everyone who is on faith's edge, um, that God intervene in such a way and give them a personal experience that they know that it is God that is helping him, them out of that situation, or it is God. You know, God uses people um, to cross paths. Um, I pray every day, if someone needs something from me to point them to God, let me cross their path. And I'll be walking by someone, and I'll just have a feeling, and I'll turn around, and I'll, I'll tell them, God loves you, and He will never leave you. I don't know what you're going through, and I'll, and I'll turn around and grab their hand and ask if I can pray for them. And I just pray that, that you know, if there's something that someone is struggling with, that God give them such an answer, either from someone or a circumstance, that they know 100% that it's God. In my band, when we created my band, I had an, I did not know it at the time that we created it, or my manager created it, but we had an atheist in the group. And my manager came to me after the first concert, and he said, uh, we've got a problem. There's an atheist in the group, and, you know, and he's, he's kind of freaking out on a PR standpoint because I'm a Christian artist. And I looked at him, and I said, now the old me would have had a different answer. Uh, the new me looked at him and said, that's fine, let him stay. And he said, are you sure? Because, you know, this, this may be something that will reflect bad on you. And I said, why? Here's the thing. They might not ever cross paths with anyone else that can show the light of God to them. And if we put them in a concert, in an atmosphere where, where I believe you can feel God, um, then he pretty soon he won't be able to deny that there's not a God. And I was right. Instead of showing judgment and pushing him away, I just loved him. And by doing that, um, he lives for God now. He studies his Bible. It is the most precious thing to see. It brings tears to my eyes. Um, we just have to have a little patience with not believers sometime and just love them. I don't think we can say anything more than that. Uh, the project is We Will Rise. By Natasha Owens. Natasha, this is an important piece of work for a number of reasons. Number one, it's really, really good. Uh, number two, uh, your message and your story is uh, nothing short of inspiring. It's, it's uplifting. Thank you so much for coming out with us today. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. All of Natasha's music, including We Will Rise, can be found at Amazon.com. Remember, Natasha is giving away all proceeds to Hurricane Relief. This is important. We're giving away a free copy of We Will Rise. If you want it, go to uh, onfaithsedge.com and sign up for show updates. Uh, you can follow and leave a comment at the On Faith's Edge Facebook page. You can follow me and share a tweet on Twitter or just send me an email at joe at onfaithsedge.com. I just really, really want to hear from you. So if you want a free copy of We Will Rise, I'm giving away one. Sign up for show updates. Uh, follow or leave me a comment at On Faith's Edge on the On Faith's Edge Facebook page. Follow me and share a tweet on Twitter or just send me an email. 
I'll announce the winner on next week's show. Again, congratulations to uh, Michelle Wren for winning the uh, the Todd Agnew from Grace to Glory CD. Michelle, send me an email, joe at onfaithsedge.com. All links from today's show at, are on onfaithsedge.com slash 88. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 88. That will wrap up today's show. Thank you to Natasha Owens for being with us. And thank you for listening. You mean a lot to me and you mean a lot to this show. Remember, God is real. He loves you. And so do I. God bless. Thank you for listening to On Faith's Edge. You can subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, Internet Radio, or your favorite podcast app on Android, Apple, or Windows devices. To reach out to Joe or leave comments about the show, visit onfaithsedge.com. You're important to us, and we would love to hear from you. 